Welcome to the Battle Buddies. Postmortem. The Buddies. The Buddies. The, yeah, the Battle Buddies postmortem. I am your Dungeon Master, Cody. I am your Dungeon Master guy, Jet. I am your Dungeon Master, Steven. Yeah, I'm not going to top that. <laughs> <laughs> Steven's the most convincing Dungeon Master. So you got to do it, Richard. You got to do it. And I am your Dungeon Master. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, that was Greg? Greg. Greg. Greg, no. <laughs> Greg's the dungeon master. <laughs> we live in the demon realm. It's his it's his postmortem. Oh, it is his postmortem too, because he died. Richard, that's my name. I didn't say it. Welcome to the postmortem for season one of the Battle Buddies. Here we will be discussing all sorts of things about season one and moving into season two, what that means for the show and the characters in the world and everything like that. If you think this sort of stuff is boring, well, first of all, you're dead fucking wrong, and this is going to be fascinating, and you should buckle in and listen, but if you insist on being too cool for this, then you can just move on to the next episode, which will be out in another two weeks, which will be the first episode of season two. But to kick things off, I want to ask all of the buddies that one burning question that's been in the back of all of our minds the past year and a half. What was the deal with Dr. Orange's dick? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so we started off with a normal episode of the Battle Buddies that just got out of control. Like, literally to the point where we had to stop recording and... Pick it up the next week. We couldn't do it. Uh, so, but who made it out of control? So, <laughs> whose fault is it? It, it started <laughs> with Zazzle and his yellow dick. Yeah, I think I think both Cody and Jack can be held accountable for this. Yeah. one, ultimately, <laughs> I just couldn't stop laughing. Uh, so, the episode we're referring to is in Jet's campaign. The episode with Doctor Orange, the scientist who's trying to create the happiness potion. I think the episode is actually called the happiness. It's called Doctor Orange, actually. It's called Dr. Yeah. Orange? It's a cautionary tale about sticking your dick in things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I might try, if anyone is interested, I might try to release the original audio for that episode because it is truly enlightening. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> for whatever reason, we just went off on a huge tangent about Dr. Orange's wing wing for like half an hour. And that was the, so we decided like, we can't just release half an hour of dick jokes. <laughs> So we we pared it back the, down, re, re-recorded problem, a few things. The problem was that we couldn't stop making the dick jokes. Yeah, it, like, it, you got, I got in a dick loop, and <laughs> I was just, it was just, it was irresistible. Yeah, even if you go back and listen to that episode, you will still hear the faint echoes of those of dick jokes. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, if you listen to the episode with his orange member in mm-hmm. mind, and the fact that he was putting them in the vials... His name originally was not Dr. Orange, but... <laughs> like, was it Dr. Fuck-a-bottle? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that's... Um, yeah. I know that's the big thing everyone was wondering about for season one, even though no one knew about it because we removed it from the show. How many other episodes did we also have to redo as far as like, because there's also the Franklin's dorm room part. Oh, (laughs) Uh, the Franklin's storm room. Yeah, there was a part where we recorded where you took us to Franklin's dorm room. I remember. Oh, yeah. Smoked weed. (laughs) (laughs) In Franklin's dorm. It was fantastic. That was like, we were, the episode was going longer than we thought. So we just cut it earlier and then restarted from that point. It's still canonical in my mind. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like you went to Franklin's dorm and smoked weed. (laughs) Again, in, in Jet's arc, as we were trying to climb the tower to get to the villa for the final confrontation, uh, we decided to take a brief pit stop. Mm-hmm. When we got to the dorm hall, we saw Franklin's room, and we opened it up, and we just saw got flames. We found <laughs> some of that sticky icky. We decided to smoke a big one. Uh, we spent like ten minutes talking well, about it. it so, oh yeah, my god! Uh, so another thing that happened specifically in the re-recording of that is that's the origin of the Tims. Because you guys kept going to all of these dorm rooms, and I was like, fuck it, there's just <laughs> a bunch where, of Tims. That's where like, the Tims came from. Like, that's where the name Tim, like, I, I had... connected that. I planned to have clones, but I was like, alright, all these rooms, there's like four Tims, that's it. I was trying to make it generic and lame sounding, but... Uh, they ended it, up being the coolest dudes ever. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, on the topic of re-recordings, yeah. um, we've had a few. <laughs> uh, I know this sounds like a, a highly polished show, but we've definitely had to re-record some of the episodes. Like four total? We're flawless professionals. Uh, episode one twice. Yeah. We had to re-record episode one twice. because So episode one, obviously, was the first episode of the Battle Buddies that we ever recorded. And that episode is possibly i don't know how to describe it it's on a whole other plane of humor that we've never been able to achieve again it's possibly the best thing put down in an audacity recording (laughs) and i lost it (laughs) forever i lost episode one of the battle buddies and then episode two came close to reaching that height of humor and storytelling it was a completely different tone of the show it was it was an epic it was an opera it was everything changed after that Everything and I lost it. <laughs> so the episode one that you listened to, we actually re- recorded after episode ten of the show because yeah. oh, we recorded like ten episodes before we started releasing the show. I forgot that it was that far along. We really made it far into this show with that in episode one. So, so there's like always jokes to where like because we had to make some events still happen. Yeah. So it's like our characters knew. So there'd be kind of like some like calling out like well. I know what the future. <laughs> Craig was like over reckless. Like Craig wanted to die. Like, Craig's like Craig, I can't die. Craig wanted to die because he knew that he couldn't die. Yeah. He had a he had a vision. <laughs> I have the future. If you 
if you go back and listen to that show with bearing in mind that like there are nine more episodes after this that have already been recording it makes a lot more sense except for the cape part (laughs) except yeah we did actually create some new parts that episode actually did turn out pretty well i'm pretty pleased with it but it also explains why that episode has a much higher uh quality to the recording yeah um because we were all using like our good mics and we we knew more about editing Mm -hmm. So it like it starts off at this high note quality wise and then dips way down to the lowest possible quality that we've had in the entire yeah. show. That's it's really like episode 1.3 1 1B is what that episode is. 1C 1.8A if we take uh, dream drop distance. Dream drop distance. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why we also gave Bogol a lot of crap about like <laughs> he said he was a paladin and we just hyped it up mm-hmm. so much because we knew he changed his character later. Yeah, <laughs> I, and we're I, like, oh, I cannot wait for a paladin. And there's just like three <laughs> minutes of us being excited. Yeah, <laughs> which I cannot picture Bogol as a paladin now. Yeah, no. I, a yeah. paladin would have had to have been like to either lawful good or just generally like up on the up and up, and. Bogal being like a seafaring barbarian gave him the right amount of chill that like really carried him through the arc. With his classic lines like we normally murder our victims <laughs> <laughs> would not be said by a paladin. Yeah. <laughs> so what's one of uh, your favorite episodes for an arc you didn't run? I mean, my one of my personal favorite episodes was actually the beginning of the finale where we did like the small vignettes of all of our characters yeah that's a fantastic episode i love that episode uh yeah i like that episode a lot too um i'm really pleased with how it turned out actually uh i don's part was fucking um, off the chain don it's amazing don don uh i don't even know how to explain your backstory or lack of backstory Don's, Don's an experiment of what happens when you just don't give a character a backstory. You don't. You never really think about it as you explore the backstory through uh, through live role playing. Yeah, I almost like thinking back on that episode. I almost wish I had done an episode with Zazzle of just me role playing with myself. That would have been pretty damn oh, good. Oh boy, too. I would have. <laughs> that would have been weird. <laughs> I was gonna say I still really like um, in that in Cody's first arc. Like the the episode where we're grinding down that big rod, yeah, um, and there's like lava pits everywhere, and there's monsters coming out of paintings. The Bowser's Castle episode uh, that that <laughs> yeah. really sticks in my mind is a, just a fantastic experience all around. I agree, that was a good one. Then you get to see Gerald being tortured. Yeah. <laughs> we got popcorn. It was a good time. I I, I actually kind of hate listening to my arc, my original arc. Because that's when we were all pretty new at it. You can hear it in my voice. I'm like overly excited to be recording. <laughs> I'm like I'm like super jazzed. Yeah, the whole time. your excitement died down. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. you're just like I lost it. it. I became more jaded <laughs> overall. Um, but like hearing myself, just just I sound like a, just a, a teenage boy who's seen a girl for the first time or something. It's just too much for me to handle. That's neither here nor there. My favorite episode. Is definitely I. It's like a combination of the the two episodes where Mutiny Tim is first introduced. Okay, by far that has got to be uh, the most solid gold episode. Yeah. Of, not even the Battle Buddies, just like anything I've ever experienced. I still go back and listen to that. That's so good. Like I love just 
Craig being a mutinous bastard and just it goes off the fucking rails. Yeah, it really like it's funny because we were all pissed at you for trying to commit a mutiny, but then, but then you wind up creating like the fan favorite character. Oh, I'm glad he was mutiny, just because like as a DM, like I just get to sit back and be like, yeah, do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Richard's campaign overall, I think, uh, was my favorite to play, mm-hmm. just because. I don't know, just the setting, just being on that boat, it gave us so much to do, so much to fuck with, because there's so many assumptions that you can make when you're on a boat. It's like, there are cannons, you know, there's there are crates full of potential people down. <laughs> I, I feel like Stowaways. every D&D campaign I've ever done has somehow ended up as pirates. Like, it's just a thing that happens. It's a logical progression. <laughs> it's an appropriate thing to do. Mm-hmm. What's funny is like I was like, oh, this is gonna be the Ark of Bogal, and then like he's gonna be the captain, and <laughs> then just like everyone became the captain. Yeah, Bogal was pretty much like I don't know, I don't really care about being captain. Yeah. I think another reason why that arc sticks out to me in particular is because that's, um, like I think in Steven's arc is when we really started to hit our stride mm-hmm. as podcasters because this is our this was our first podcast that we ever started recording. And you can tell in the beginning, like I said, I was really excited. Like, we all had different comfort levels going into the show. And we really only, I think, like, you can can hear our development as podcasters. Mm -hmm. You can hear, uh, like, how much more comfortable we're getting with the format, with the show, with each other. And... So in Jets we get we improve, Stevens we get better, and then in Richards I think that's when we really really dig in and become the battle buddies like officially. Yeah. And our dynamic is just spot on and it's some of the it's like it's so enjoyable to play and to listen to. I'm really looking forward to season 2 cuz now that we've hit that point then we can we can channel it into something truly exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And my favorite episode. <laughs> yes. Richard. 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 I really like the, uh, it's either, they're both in Jets, and one was either the speedrun into the boss episode, just because it was so fast-paced because we were skipping so much and just fucking with the mechanics, or mostly Cody kind of was. I guess I was too, but... Like Goobert shows up and we <laughs> just like dude. walk out the door. Like we're like, well, see you later, Goobert. Like, because it's it, we should have introduced Dark Souls fog gates. Yeah. So, oh god, we're trapped. We gotta fight this guy. Go to the next room. He's still like filling up. He's like, wow, you guys really. The <laughs> Goobert stuff was so good. And the Tims were introduced, and yeah, Cody just lies to them. Terrible security guards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that was a really good episode. Uh, Jet, you were such a super go with the flow deal. Yeah. <laughs> Which made for a, a really... Yeah, your campaign was a lot of fun. Um, it didn't make a lick of sense plot-wise, but it was... A, yeah. He, he did let us get that time machine after all. Yeah. He did, yeah. You, that, like, I would not have done that. <laughs> I would not have let people have a time machine. It could have really gone off the rails, I can man. always recover from whatever. Like... I feel like my my thing as when I want to DM is I want to give you toys and let you play around with it and see what you do. Like that that's it. What was funny about that time machine was you had so many mechanics set up to not let us get it. Like yeah. Zazzle tried stealing items. Mm-hmm. Yep. We tried everything to get that time machine, mm-hmm. and then we just like ask her, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like charm her. <laughs> 
like, yeah, that'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought it'd take like a million tickets. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, it is. Thinking back on it, it is really hard to choose a favorite because there are so many good ones. Yeah. Because um, this show is so good and you're lucky to be listening to it. <laughs> Whoa. I envy you <laughs> hearing it through fresh ears. But yeah, speaking of our arcs, like what or our episodes, what went into coming up with your story when 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 you took over as the dungeon master? So, okay, I'm gonna be perfectly honest. I had very little idea how the druids worked when I first started. <laughs> so how do druids work? Yeah. So <laughs> I basically I don't think any of us know how druids actually work. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how druids. I work. just created an emu that was. I was assuming was still the normal Gerald, but that was actually supposed to be yes. Gerald. Uh, Dog, we rolled an insight check and you said no. I, so I, <laughs> yeah, that all didn't work out. <laughs> um, but my general DM style is I like fucking with people. Well, no, I like I like building boxes in which the player interacts. So I come up with encounters, and then I just put you guys in there and have like different things that they could potentially interact with um and then let you guys do whatever it is you do uh that's how Ivella got turned into fucking crystal and was not a boss <laughs> like yeah we kind of abused that one too yeah yeah so i think one thing i do would do next time is maybe prevent game breaking things from happening a little bit better I did like all your counter names, but yeah, like as I was still learning to play the game and even comfortable interacting, I always just kind of knew. I was like, "Well, Jet has some fun level set up, like yeah. some boss, you know." Yeah, there's still definitely a lot of NPC interaction, Franklin and whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another thing that I've learned is just to fucking limit your NPCs because <laughs> it's like, oh my god, it's so that's the best lesson ever. Yeah. You can tell, you can tell, like, in the last arc when Richard summoned the three powerful knights, <laughs> my god. Uh, that was so good. I, I, like, I originally introduced that mechanic so that everyone could summon in characters that we were familiar with from the show. Yeah. But then everyone forgot all the characters I was looking show. forward to someone summoning Tatorian, and, like, that never <laughs> happened. No one pulled in the big coat man. Yeah, and... So as soon as we started introducing other characters, like I was already struggling with the idea of controlling the voices and motivations of the characters who we already met, and then we get the three powerful knights, and I was like, "Fuck!" And, and don't forget Bronze Star, yeah, what? Bronze Star, <laughs> Bronze Star. You Dimbo. summoned, oh you summoned an enemy of the people who we were friends with. Yeah, he knows how to take them down. The best. Yeah. <laughs> we know how to take them um, down. You did take yeah, them speaking down. Speaking of. Speaking of Bronze Dar, uh, who was who's I'm not sure if you guys got this, but Bronze Dar is the Battle Buddies world version of Goldar, who is one of the main. I think we called him Goldar more than we once. did, but that doesn't mean people <laughs> listening know who Goldar is. <laughs> uh, Goldar is one of the main villains in the show The Power Rangers. Which, guess what? The Fight for Striders are kind of they're based loosely. Off the Power Rangers. I or... think you literally called them the Power Rangers of what? <laughs> Definitely Rangers. I don't it know. Kind of Rangers. I called them the Rangers a lot. No one would have predicted this, but when I was doing my campaign, when I first started the show, I basically just had like a bunch of things that I liked 
that I channeled into uh, the plot and encounters of my show. Uh, you guys were talking about the the, the magma hallway. The, yeah. That and Jet referred to it as like a Bowser Castle level, and that's because it was supposed to be that. Yeah. <laughs> like I always thought it was hilarious when you played Mario and you're in Bowser's castle, and he has all these. It's just like, why does he have this magma room down here, man? And it's got all these p- paintings. He on keeps the these jumping fireballs <laughs> for friends. So yeah, exactly. So it was literally a Bowser's castle level, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Like the obviously, I pulled from the Power Rangers, Necro Dave. I just like. I, I just like Gundams and shit. So. Gundams are great. <laughs> Gundam. I did that. Gundams and shit. <laughs> um, but originally, when like going into my arc, the <clears throat> only plot that I really had figured out was I knew that there were going to be four artifacts to get, and I knew that they were going to play a, a play a big role uh, for the finale. Uh, I knew there was at least one druid who was trying to get you to get the artifacts, and that's kind of about it. <laughs> and the wards too, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the wards, like, when I first went into the show, I didn't know about that. Oh, okay. Uh, I only started to actually develop what I had in mind for, like, the finale, like, with the seed and the tree and the twin planes and the ward and there being four druids and stuff. Like, I only started to think about that as we played. Like, around the time that you guys killed off Giles is when I really had that fleshed out. Um, And that's why I did the whole exposition dump episode after that. And then I realized because originally when we started the show i was supposed to be the dungeon master all the way through season one it was supposed to be my show and then i was like dming is hard (laughs) and it takes time and doing character voices is not easy and i've got i'm playing with a lot of really funny intelligent people who uh i want to see what they can do and more so i want to not dungeon master (laughs) for a little bit just a tiny rest so i passed the buck um, and that's why I introduced Zazzle as an NPC so that I could take over Zazzle as a play, my play, uh, my character. Wait, I do have a question. Mm-hmm. Has anyone DM'd outside of like this? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Are the encounter, like, is it easier to DM in a different format because the encounters, like, aren't as long or like... No, the, oh. the encounters are way longer. Encounters are longer. The encounters are way longer. Yeah, we, we play a truncated version of Dungeons yeah. & Dragons on our show. So is that harder on the DM? Because it's like, well, I got to think of all this other environment when before you can rely on, like, well, that encounter is going to take half the session anyway. It's like, it's <laughs> yeah. like yes and no. So it really depends. Like, it's all about who you play with um, that really makes the game... Encounters could be however long the DM wants them to be, and the players can make it as tedious as possible or as quick and fun as possible. So, yeah, personally, I prefer our, our format, and part of the reason why we decided on this format was because we were recording for a podcast. Yeah, and like just having episodes and episodes of like the same fight didn't <laughs> seem like. A, yeah. a good or entertaining yeah. show. Yeah, fights can definitely last hours. In my opinion, at least, I think the fights can sometimes be the least interesting thing about it. Despite it being titled "The Battle Buddies," yeah, the Battle Buddies. Yeah, <laughs> kind we're of the we're the uh, talking the exposition buddies, <laughs> the dialogue buddies. That actually gives me a question I want to ask. Uh, does does anyone have a favorite fight? Squats, squats. I squats, loved pitting squats. you guys against those gorillas. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna be honest. Yeah, Cody, Cody saying squats really just 
made me say it out loud, but that's what I was thinking beforehand. I was like, that putting you guys against the gorillas and like the elephant was just so silly and fun in a way that an encounter, like even like I live, I love a lot of Jets encounters, but there's usually this like clear competition, but this like there was a competition, but it was just so fucking mm-hmm. ridiculous and childlike and I enjoyed it so much. I really liked uh, the fucking ninjas in uh, uh, Richard. Richards. Yeah. Like, when <laughs> I launch Crag over there and he just gets besieged by these fucking ninjas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a pirate ship full of ninjas. <laughs> Who would have guessed? A ninja pirate ship. Who would have thought? Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I felt like I could be really creative with my powers because I was stuck there alone. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely, like, fended for yourself against, like, an encounter that was meant for a group. <laughs> I was like, well, let's see how he does. <laughs> That's one of the, the things I liked most about your campaign, Jet. Yeah. The, the was the encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially since, like, I would... That's when I debuted Zazzle as my character. And I didn't really know... I'd never played a sorcerer before. I wasn't sure how I was going to play him. And... Through in playing your campaign, I realized like the most fun that I had in playing Zazzle was not fighting, but casting was, and large like, reduce and large reduce on anything and everything. <laughs> well, well, I liked trying to solve like the puzzles you gave mm. us without like casting a damaging spell for the most part. Yeah, huh? yeah that's true. Like I like talking my way out of it, or like well, that's about it. <laughs> uh, and I like that you went with the flow mm-hmm. most of it. Like the the encounter with Drake was a lot of oh fun. yeah, where you became a. Dra- you became Drake. And speedrunning to the boss, like, because you, you, you clearly spent time developing these characters, but you still let us just like, oh, yeah, okay, you convinced me. Go on. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, I just wanted to be a facilitate your guys' enjoyment of it. Like, that yeah. was my whole I thing. Think, I, I think that's, I mean, that's personally the kind of DM I wanted to be as well. It's just like letting you guys do the creative things you wanted obviously within within certain limits but like i love the in, the arena encounters i got to do so much creative fun stuff yeah letting you guys just goof off in that arena obviously i had planned ways for you guys to solve the different things but i wanted you guys to do things that i didn't expect at the same time and i was i was looking to the engage koala. with that the koala <laughs> Why was there a koala trick dwight into falling into a okay. hole yeah so i i, I do kind of want to go back to like the process of coming up with my arc Because I actually Mm -hmm. thought about my arc for a really long time, probably like, you know, starting at the beginning of Jet's arc and just in my mind kind of building out the plan. But it actually started, I was going to do a a fiasco campaign where you guys were playing a different group of people who were going to steal the artifact. And then I was going to implement that at the end of the campaign, essentially, mm-hmm. where I would lead you guys to the artifact and you guys would stumble on it and it would be gone. Um, oh, wow. But it slowly, like, like it slowly spun into me being like, okay, where would the artifact be stored? It would be stored in some sort of arena situation. And I'd ha- I had you guys, like, naturally coming into the bottom of the arena. And, and eventually I was just like, you know what? The interesting thing here would actually be a tournament. And then taking what I was planning as far as getting to the originally getting to the artifact became the dungeon. Mm. Uh, and, and so I had, I kind of, I kind of moved in everything around and, and abandoned the, the secondary story thing kind of entirely and ended up spinning it into kind of like a city dungeon and tournament arcs. 
Uh, yeah, another one of my favorite episodes was definitely the one where we first go to your city yeah. and are trying and, to figure out, like, asking, meeting Red Raccoon. Yeah. And Burley <laughs> that, was, that was another situation. I just wanted to let you guys, like, whatever you guys wanted to do, I wanted to let you do, but then you guys wanted to, like, steal a shovel from the people I made, and I was like, ah, oh, damn. Ah, <laughs> uh, 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 dunce. It turns out that was an artifact. It turns out that <laughs> shovel was the best shovel ever. To be fair, like, Craig used that for the rest he of did. the season. <laughs> Like, and then I destroyed it. That's fine. <laughs> Except I created a fucking Hero Forge version of him with that shovel. So it's not fun. <laughs> He'll get another one. That's something about our campaign is like the whole point of the entire campaign was kind of failure. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of failure. There was a lot of failure. There was a lot of like, especially, I don't know, maybe that's just my sense of humor, <laughs> but I liked having you guys fail, and I liked killing off characters. <laughs> I liked destroying your shit. It was pretty My knights, you tore them apart at the end. Yeah. You're like, reality comes and tears them apart. I'm like, <laughs> I told you I was not happy when you introduced new characters. <laughs> at least Don did get torn apart. Yeah. So many people died in my arc, my final yep. arc. Some of them killed by Craig. It's funny because so many people died... And yet, for whatever reason, I could not roll a single hit on you guys yeah. the whole time. I really wanted to at least like take uh, one of you guys down. Yeah, funny. I yeah. wanted to, because he like that fight. You would have taken so much damage, and yet no one hit you. The only time I rolled like exceptionally high was I rolled for Richard's spell <laughs> <laughs> to, to paralyze all my my. It was just like, what the yeah. fuck? 100%. Fate was on your so side. Good. Destiny wanted you to that win was that really, fight. <laughs> that was really a situation where, like, the, the dice came into roll in such a big way to just make us seem so overpowered. It really did. It, I wanted it to be a more balanced fight. I wanted there to be stakes. Like, I introduced this mega powerful boss for you guys to fight, and he misses every time. <laughs> I did abuse Cody's rule because I feel like it's supposed to be like, well, you aren't even feel it's times 10. Divide by ten. Yeah, the whole point was that it it evens out, and then you 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 did decide to interpret that for like distance and mm. stuff like that. And since I did say times ten, I was like, well, <laughs> nothing can negate my good. distance. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, this spell has a three hundred foot radius. <laughs> if you say something boldly enough, the DM might just go with it. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> Why won't I? It also did sound kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> So, and that's kind of like the way I can, I DM. Like if you can, if you say something that's cool, I'll usually let it slide. Yeah, you definitely set uh, like the good tone for that because you mm-hmm. give us so much advantage in yeah. the first art. Oh, yeah, you get advantage for <laughs> which that, which was sure. fun. Well, I want to I want to reward creativity because, like I said, uh, encounters like just hitting back and forth in a fight has got to be one of the most boring things I can think of in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Um. So, like, giving you guys incentives to do interesting things. Like, in my next campaign, I definitely want to focus more on puzzles and problems for you guys to solve. And I want the fights that you have to actually serve a purpose instead of them just being fights that you have. Yeah. And that's something that I've learned playing here. And I actually learned a lot in Season 1. Um, and you can, like, going into Season 2, you can expect a different dm style for me at least because i learned a lot playing as a player character with you guys as the dungeon Mm -hmm. master because you guys all did such an amazing job and made me look like utter garbage 
I mean, I mean, everyone has their strengths mm-hmm. too. Because your improv yeah. for like your NPCs are just hilarious. I think like Slip and Gerald and yeah, and Miss Green and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like i could tell when you yeah, just I'm make up a character like because i'm very meticulous and i write almost everything down and uh-huh. i'm just like can we just made up a character yeah <laughs> and he's just rolling with it it's always I'm like that's so impressive how can you tell even if it's not great it's just <laughs> funny but what, what do you feel like you guys you learned as dungeon masters like what, what, what do you think that how do you think your style will evolve moving into season two so i know for certain that i've written down a little bit more details about the actual like what i want you to accomplish in my first arc i'm gonna do from more of a story perspective not just a you're in a box perspective i still have you're in a box perspective written out too but you're in a box yeah i'm in a box (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got a lot of that from uh, how much it made sense to have, uh, or how much in Richard's arc we learned about the individual characters through written dialogue. Yeah, Richard did a great job. He mm. did. He did some J.K. Rowling shit, mm-hmm. man. <laughs> we're, we're like, you know, you read a Harry Potter book, you read the fourth one, you're like, holy shit, she set that up from book fucking mm-hmm. one. That was Richard. Yeah. Like, if you go back and listen to Richard's campaign, you'll be like, oh my god, the boats that attacked us were at the port in the very beginning. Like, he had that shit planned. And that's definitely something I plan on pulling into my Mm -hmm. campaign, because my process, for the most part, was like, I came up with a loose idea, and then it was full improv. Yeah, see, my my problem was that I had a plan, like, I knew the Colosseum was there, but then I forgot to mention it when you guys were approaching the city. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, the stuff's there, but like... I don't know. Oh yeah, there's a mountain and um, it's a big lake nearby. Like, <laughs> no Coliseum though, Stephen. One of or the graveyard. funny parts I remember from yours is because you. One of your strengths was like your environments are. I mean, I know you give yourself trouble about the Coliseum, but your environments and settings are so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I remember you're asking like, well, "How are you guys feeling about this?" and Cody's like Zazzle's character. He's like, I don't know. We've never had a good DM before. (laughs) 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 It's true, though, Stephen. Like, Jet and I both have kind of a similar style where it's just like fast and loose. Mm. And you really set the tone. You really set the bar, man. Like, your your first dungeon was like a Legend of Zelda. I did have that whole dungeon mapped out, and there's totally a box of gold that you guys did not get. Oh, <laughs> literally! I just, I just called it like box of gold. Yeah, we barely spent any gold. Like we got very little out of this epic quest. Like no, but you guys could have gotten more out of Tatorian, for instance. Like he was also there. Whenever we had the chance to get items, like none of us wanted. Yeah, anything. we weren't too excited about leveling up either. I mean, yeah, quite frankly, I think leveling up. Um, I kind of like people being less powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's kind of like a, a a high point around like level four and five where you get some cool abilities, but you're not like way overpowered. See, I mm-hmm. wouldn't have summoned Greg. The... The Greg, that the, is true, you can, and you can never. <laughs> okay, that's a good. The point. higher level stuff can totally be unpredictable and awesome. Like I, I think for spellcasters it really scales, but for mm-hmm. a punchy man, uh, yeah. you just get more punchy man. Bogal got really good at killing. Mm-hmm. 
Yes. <laughs> Especially when we all buff you and make you better at Yeah, game. we never used a yeah. spellcaster against Vogel. There's like no spellcaster villains for the. Yeah, Avella was a spellcaster, but she didn't. Oh, yeah, cast... she did that fireball. Yeah. That like almost killed someone. I don't know. That was yeah. me. It almost <laughs> killed me. And almost killing Zazzle is not a difficult feat. He has no health. <laughs> I learned for sure there were some parts, especially in the middle of the campaign, uh, where if the players make a decision, like I need, I need to lock in that decision. Uh, especially around, uh, you guys were trying to throw, uh, what's his name, Tom Kari over yeah, yeah. the edge, and I just kept going. I was like, oh, "Did you throw him over yet? Did you do it?" And as a DM, you just got like, "All right, they made their choice." Yeah. Event needs to happen. I I still kept expecting him to like show up at some point. I was I was <laughs> yeah, same here. He did seem pretty attached for to him. him to just like come back on the beach and attack us at any moment, like Lionel. Lionel. I'm glad that he was just dead. <laughs> just I got more jokes out of him dying just because. Just like it's heavily implied, he drowned to death. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty funny. But you you did try to put us in a situation where like we couldn't get rid of this guy, and then we just got rid of the yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. And and as a DM, I just need to let that happen. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of was like, well, this character might serve another purpose, but I was just like, now nah, I'll just work around it. And I eventually did come to that, but it took me like eight minutes, kind of thing. Yeah. And, um so in the future i'd probably just be like yep that's what has happened in this world all right time to pivot yeah and Mm -hmm. yeah that's a good point what sort of things happen to you guys that you did not expect from your players what Um, do they do i feel like you asking questions was like i never could expect the questions you were going to ask even though in retrospect i should have (laughs) (laughs) that's always the case yeah like uh, rich and i were talking about this just the other day how you come up with a campaign you get so excited about the ideas you have and then the moment you tell it to someone else they just like tear it apart <laughs> yeah. it. like it comes yeah. stupid and you should feel they dumb. ask one specific question and you're like i have not thought about that at all i don't know it always gets like brought down to like you're like this is so epic and it's just gonna become comedic like this guy's so badass the perfect example is i think is peaceful island like this badass island where if you do commit any violence you die (laughs) (laughs) we just start tearing apart like mechanically like what is that (laughs) throwing oranges at people (laughs) but that's got to be like my best my favorite part of the campaign and this is something i even like when we first started recording i mentioned that we weren't super comfortable with the format yet when i was the dungeon master i always encourage you guys to make fun of me Mm -hmm. yeah because like the campaigns are ridiculous. The NPCs say stupid things, and that's like the best humor comes from you calling that shit out and just being like, "That doesn't make any fucking sense." <laughs> Peaceful Island made a lot of sense. <laughs> Peaceful Island was fun. <laughs> let's let's fight a giant battle here. <laughs> Thousands. Peaceful of Island was so good. I loved Peaceful Island. I feel like we messed with like Steven the most as far as. Like, because we wanted to, like, burn some Oh, yeah, of those characters. you guys got dark like, there a couple times. <laughs> yeah, like, we we grabbed all your skeletons and just, like, burned them alive. You burned that pile of skeletons. No, and, I'm, I'm talking yeah. about the Samela. And, yeah, like, you guys wanted to go after the the other people. Yeah. Samela. Oh. Convince, 
the town that they're witches, even though yeah. I think magic is accepted yeah. in this world. I was totally not prepared for that, and I was like, oh, God, how am I going to have to deal with them, like, walking around Yeah, town? we showed our true colors in that arc. Also, Necromancer Coco definitely starved yeah. to death. Like, yeah, you guys... Uh, or was trampled by horses. <laughs> <laughs> you guys tying him up. He was so accepting of it, too. He was just like, oh, hey, you know, these boys, they've come to visit me. Oh, and God... Um, necromancers. Ah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. one of my favorite uh, things we came up with with how necromancers work. Yeah, we are considering creating like a character um, supplement for necromancers. Like if you read the Dungeons and Dragons rule book and you see the cl- the pages on classes, we're cre- considering creating our own like like rule book essentially for maybe necromancers and druids and maybe even a dungeon master's guide for how to play like with it, with an our house style rule set. Uh, which will have all sorts of tongue-in-cheek references to the Battle Buddies and stuff like that. So that's that's a project that we kind of have on the back burner right now that we're planning on getting to at some point. I just like that necromancers are just like tinkers <laughs> too, yeah. for the most part. <laughs> They're whatever you need for the plot at the time. Yeah, technologists, oh, magicians. Oh, they're everything, man. They are super overpowered. Necromancer Dave was probably only like a level one necromancer. Yeah, and he got fucked on a mech. <laughs> And he, had, he had mechs and skeletons and surfboards and all sorts yeah. of crazy shit. I never made that necromancer skateboard. Oh yeah. If we ever, if whenever I play Crag again, I might be working towards making him a necromancer. Really? Oh yeah. Like necromancer Crag. Yeah. You have to predicate your name with the title necromancer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the law. <laughs> You have to show your card-carrying necromancer cards. I guess, I guess, speaking of which, was Craig evil? Uh, yeah, he he was evil. Like He was actually true evil? Like chaotic evil? He he was, I don't think it was chaotic. I think it was more yeah. neutral evil. Just um, selfish evil? Yeah, like he yeah. is very, like, originally I started him out as very neutral, and then he just, like, descended into evil. I think we were, we all like, definitely had our dark side. Um, Craig took it to another level. Like, Craig's a bad he, guy. He's not a good guy. Like, he's never been he's, a good guy. It's not that he's not a good guy. We're not good yeah. guys. He's a bad like, guy. Mm, yeah, Craig was kind of a bad guy. Which is why the rest of us made all those jokes about not being his friend. It was yeah. like, well, Craig's the fucking bad guy who hangs out with us, and I guess we let him help. Yeah, I always thought that was so funny though, because Cody's like, "Don't kill these innocent people." And Craig's like, yeah, I'm rude. doing it, and I'm just like secretly laughing. <laughs> I'm just like, but then I'm like, "Craig, how could you?" Speaking of Craig, he's evil. He's an evil guy. Like, what? Why, how'd you come up with Craig? How'd you guys come up with your freaking characters, man? So, Warlock is my favorite class of Fifth Edition, and I wanted to play it on the podcast. Um. And I generally, like, what's funny, uh, a, a noble orc warlock, <laughs> like, that was my whole building a character. Wait, did, half orc, right? Yeah, half orc. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you just thought it was funny because, like, a, the idea of a, a noble orc noble being orc. nobility? Yeah, or? just a noble orc. Like, generally, I, I'm of the philosophy that you build your character from playing. So Crag became who Crag was by playing Crag over the course of a decent amount of time. 
I can dig it. I've definitely played campaigns in the past mm-hmm. where I like come up with a backstory and motivation and everything like that, and it just all gets thrown out the window in the first fucking arc. <laughs> it or does, and it, like, yeah. it'll it's allowed me to actually retroactively write a backstory for Crag of just how did he become this person? How did he be interact with you know demons and stuff like that? I kind of have that stuff solidified from playing who Crag is. Mm. I've been summoning demons this whole time. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god! <laughs> what about you, Steven? I actually did something like kind of similar, but also very different. In that, like, I started with well, obviously, I started as a paladin, and then I was like, I don't want to be a paladin very much, so I found a barbarian thing. But also, I just felt like doing something, doing something even more different than what was in the uh, the textbook. So I ended up finding the aquatic totem barbarian uh somewhere online and and uh kind of working with cody to make sure that that would work out so that because just something about like whales i I was just like i want i want a barbarian that worships whales and uh i love bogal you did such a good job with your that was (laughs) that was sort of that was sort of the root of the character i ended up writing out um the backstory for him you know, where he, where like the, the history of his tribe and, and where he got his nickname and all that, just cause, uh, I've done some creative writing stuff. And so I just felt like writing it out. Obviously, you know, it only, it, it came into effect a couple times here and there. Um, but Bogal's, Bogal also definitely developed throughout the campaign to a point where, um, even though his backstory is kind of set up as a classic like revenge story where he would return home and, and see revenge with stone or Quinn stone killer. Like, I don't see that as what Bogal will do next. You know, like I don't think Bogal is particularly interested in revenge or justice, you know, like it's on his he, list. It, it, if, if, if he <laughs> stumbles across Quinn, he will murder the man. But at, at this point he's just like moving on with his life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. I like Bogal a lot. And I like Craig a lot too, actually. I know we make fun of him, but I like Craig. Jet, the way you play Craig, you give him so you give us so much to work with. Yeah, <laughs> you really do. You, you like you create weird scenarios to put us in. Like we never would have had the, the Tims without Craig. Yeah, and all the stupid shit you get up to. Yeah, he's selfish, but through that you get some interesting scenarios. Yeah, and that helps. That helps uh, with how. And that's something you de- decided from the very beginning was that he was selfish. Like you said, you like to discover your character as you play it, but you did definitely have some like keywords that you kind of adhered to. Well, I was thinking, what is a noble, uh, rich guy? So, what's a rich guy? Kind of a selfish person, and then kind of went from there. <laughs> I can kind of see that, but at the same time, you could pl- you could have played it the opposite. Like Craig is very money motivated, yeah. but if he's a rich person, he probably doesn't really need money. And yet, all the time, he was like, "Where's the where's the gold? Where's the twenty gold you yeah. promised?" <laughs> <laughs> haggling all the time <laughs> so what's uh what's the deal with don donny boy split your secrets no don i never played d-, d before uh or at least not past one session so i don't know i just i was like a bard would be we all had to come up with characters like a bard would be interesting i guess uh but because I wasn't good at D&D, I was like, well, maybe he could be like a sucky bard. Like, he's not good at instruments. And no. yeah, yeah, I never played D&D before, so I decided to challenge myself 
by making the worst possible by being, character. By yeah. being bad at the thing my character should be good at. <laughs> <laughs> by giving my character the opposite stats. Mm-hmm. So, I just chose Elf, just for the heck of it. And that's really all there was to Dawn. Like, it was just like... <laughs> that's bad I at mean, music. I mean, you got a lot out of it. And I think at one point... Because Cody was challenging me to do like a backstory. I was like, "All right, uh, he <laughs> lost his wife," and Cody's like, eh, "I don't know about that." <laughs> yeah, it's just so cliche. <laughs> we'll figure it out as we go. So, so I just didn't write one, and but then everyone else just wrote one for me. Yeah, and that's just how life works. Like if you don't do it, I someone else will. Always picture him <laughs> as an assassin, like because like episode one, it's like Don's a noble. I was like, yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> Uh, and then Craig, Craig Jet made a backstory. <laughs> I did that a lot, where I'd call same Jet time Jet. retriever episode. Yeah, ah, uh, biscuits. Yeah. yeah, that's where we uh, met biscuits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and flushed out all our backstories, and Jet just came up with this funny scenario where everyone else had like this epic <laughs> thing going on, and I'm just in a bar. And this guy's harassing me for a drink. <laughs> For money, I don't have. I, like, <laughs> I like that it was just like a comic relief style episode for you, and then just this serious story for the other two. Like, I don't know. Mine was pretty comic relief too. I think it was pretty funny. <laughs> and boat calls as well. <laughs> yeah. Toy boat, toy boat, toy, <laughs> toy boat. boat, toy boat. <laughs> The only reason mine was like combative is because Bogal fucking cut yeah. me. <laughs> Time Retriever is pretty. Oh pretty man, up there. favorite oh. episode. Time Retriever is definitely up there. Time Retriever is so good. The hands that are sticking out the walls. <laughs> the dog yeah. glory holes. The... <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how we had the deal for Dog Orange just for half an up hour. There. Um, yeah, my character for Zazzle, I was in a pretty unique position because originally I was just supposed to be the dungeon master the whole time. So I, I got, I already knew who your characters were. I already knew the world and everything. I already knew the tone of the show. Um, so Craig, Craig, <laughs> Jet actually helped me come up with Zazzle. Um, <laughs> Jet, like we, I, I forgot how, how was that? Like I, you were. T- how did we land on sorcerer? Well, I think you were talking about sorcerer being you wanted to cast spells. Um, yes. And then you're like, I want to be a human sorcerer. And I was like, that's super lame. Don't be a human. <laughs> I remember su- suggesting Kinku um, to you. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. So Craig suggested Kinku. And then I thought it'd be really cool if, like, I was a Kinku, but I was disguised as mm-hmm. a human. I thought it'd be interesting if, like, Kinku's in this world have a get get like kind of the, a, a raw deal yeah. like people don't really like kinkus so like they usually disguise they're just tricksters they disguise themselves as people so that's and that's how i kind of came up with the idea that my character was a con mm-hmm. artist and so i thought it'd be really funny if the way he was introduced is like mm. he's pretending to be the grandson of this old guy <laughs> <laughs> and i really enjoyed playing zazzle a lot i like he's my favorite D character i've ever played and I loved the fact that, like, Jet knew the whole time in his campaign that I was secretly a Kinku. Yeah. And he kept trying to put me in situations where it revealed that I was a Kinku. Yeah. And I kept trying to hide it. <laughs> yeah. And as a player, I had no idea. I was like, well, this is yeah, a necklace. Don, uh, Don and Bogal had yeah. no idea I was a Kinku. Well, I didn't crack, but Jet kept trying to, he, like, I remember there was a time travel episode where you had me falling. And, like, you're, you were 
lost your amulet as you were falling. Yeah. Oh, you said you said that like Don or someone held on to my amulet. Well, you it was a critical fail to hold on to you. So that's why I crawled inside my hat and transformed myself into Franklin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was to cover up the fact that I was a kinku. Yeah. Um, and also, it it had a story oh. element to it as well, because then if I'm Franklin, I could pretend to be Franklin and get us higher into the yeah. tower. Yeah. Yeah. I thought always Franklin was just a bad guy until like, yeah. I saw how <laughs> Jet's other NPCs like treated Franklin when Cody uh. was disguised as. <laughs> we started really feeling bad for him. He was a weird he guy. Was weird. What was he doing in that swamp? <laughs> he bathing. We're trying to talk to a bird. And he just interrupts our conversation. <laughs> Yeah, taking a swamp bath. I, I really liked Franklin. I think he's one of my favorite NPCs I've ever made. Just because, like, I I needed you to have a guide, someone to interact with the entire time, and he worked out because he just would let you do whatever shit you wanted. That is a. It's an interesting weird DM mechanic of just mm-hmm. we we're talking about this mm-hmm. having like an authority NPC. Yeah, <laughs> and I didn't realize like Franklin was kind of that role. <laughs> Well, I think we should start talking about moving into season two now, but like, because I'm thinking about my campaign for moving into season two, and I'm writing it, and I actually did a test run with some friends recently, and I got a lot out of doing that, um, and one of the biggest things that I kind of realized about like a format for a dungeon master, uh, especially in our show where we like to rely on NPC interactions, is that it's really beneficial to have like an authority mm-hmm. figure. Or someone that you can interact with who's kind of as is a guide. Yeah. Um, and that's because like, and I did that unintentionally with Gerald. Yeah. And that worked out really well. And you did it with, you did it with Franklin, and then we did it with the other druids. And it's it's just like without that character. I was actually thinking of Red Raccoon for mine because you guys just sort of like stumbled onto this coffee yeah. shop owner who knows things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <That's he's> <laughs> My family's been keeping track of this for years. <laughs> yeah, having characters like that really like gives the players a lot. It, like it's a good way to give exposition for the world that you're in, um, and it's a good way to get a lot of humor mm-hmm. out of it. So, like, I started to think about like who I want to be an authority figure NPC in my campaign, and I have some ideas. But I think we should definitely talk about like moving forward in the season two. What to expect? Yeah. Yes. So season one, we tried to do this big story uh, where, like I said, I was originally supposed to be the dungeon master, but then we decided to like sort of pass the baton. Um, and that was a difficult thing to balance. I think we did a pretty good job. I really like our, our show and our story a lot, but there was a lot of like tying up loose ends <laughs> throughout the whole process for all of us. <laughs> and there was like, and we had like, partial information from each dm so like yeah no one knew the whole picture of what the story was was something i felt as dming like i felt like i was missing out on some of the pieces that you had planned for the end so i didn't really know how to incorporate my vignette into that i was missing out on some of the pieces i had planned (laughs) yeah Because we knew from yeah. the beginning that like we were going to do a full rotation through the Dungeon Masters and then I was going to do the finale. Mm-hmm. Um, and that did present some problems uh, because everyone did have to adhere to like specific plot mechanics and stuff, basically. So we decided to try something different moving forward in Season 2. 
Um, each of us is going to do our own campaign, and they'll probably be they're they're going to be kind of they're going to be short campaigns. Um, but the dungeon master will be in charge of like like the entire thing basically. Um, we still I think we sh we're talking about it still being within the world of the battle buddies, so it's all still kind of loosely connected. But it could take place at like any time with any character. Um, we definitely don't want to get rid of the battle buddies. We don't want to get rid of Crag, Don, Bogal, and Zazzle. Episode one, so... Zazzle has died. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Yeah, exactly. You fucker. <laughs> you can't do that. Uh, so, yeah, but it'll be up to the Dungeon Master, like, what the setting is, like, what characters we'll be playing as. Like, for my campaign, for instance... I plan on having you guys play as the original Battle Buddies. And I plan on having you not play as the original Battle Buddies. Yeah. I also think you guys are going to be rolling new characters for my thing. Ooh. And we also are thinking about, um, if you listen to our other show, Disposable Worlds, you'll know Ryan, who is a good friend of mine um, and a really funny guy. And one of the guys who really got me into Dungeons & Dragons just because he is infinitely creative and just it's super hilarious an amazing guy and we're gonna pull him in at some point in this season to do kind of like a guest campaign that sounds awesome because he's been writing his own like official uh, campaign book that he plans on putting on the wizards of the coast like store or whatever and so he's going to come in here for a few episodes and run us through his campaign so that's something to look forward to and i and for that one i think we'll be playing as the battle buddies as well okay um so yeah, the way I like, and so moving forward in the season two, Jet is actually going to be the first dungeon master. So we're going to be doing his campaign. Yes, I'm. I'm definitely looking forward to it. This is one I've been writing since, like, we were contemplating having a backup episode if someone was sick. So I've been writing it as basically that for a while. So it's going to be a few episodes. I don't know how long, up to five, um, and that's. That's about it. Like, that's all I want to give away now. Yeah. <clears throat> and that'll be kind of the nicer thing about the new format is the arcs or campaigns, whichever you want to call them. They're just as long as they need to be kind of thing. And there's not the pressure to complete this larger thing. There might be elements of the world building out or it's maybe some other story going on in the background. But at least... For one DM's responsibility, there's not that pressure to complete the or giant even, story. Or even to, you know, like, have, like, a story within a story that you leave loose threads to that we can come back again on a third rotation or whatever. Yeah, that's kind of what I plan on doing with my campaign, actually. Um, and, yeah, no, Richard, Richard brought up a good point there. Like, season one of the Battle Buddies was a huge fucking story. Like, the entire world was in peril from episode one. Yeah. Uh, and one of the biggest things, like, my big takeaways from season one, don't introduce that many NPCs. <laughs> and if you do, plan ahead. Because um, it is hard to, to juggle that shit. <laughs> Two, scale. Scale, 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 scale. The scale of the Battle Buddy season one is ginormous. Um, I can only speak for myself in my campaign, but you can expect a much smaller scale. Like, it's going to be a much more intimate campaign. It's not going to be like, the world's in trouble! Yeah. Like, we've got to save it. It's going to be yeah. like, Jerry's in trouble. Save <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And I think I think that'll make for I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. This is this is supposed to be kind of an experimental season to help decide where we want to take this show. Because like we said, this was the first podcast we've ever done. Season one was really ultimately kind of a learning experience. So we're going to take everything we've learned in season one and we're going to bring in the season two and tinker with it until we find something that we really like. And then season three is when the show will really start. Yeah. <laughs> so keep keep listening. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> Don't abandon us Tell yet. your grandma. <laughs> season uh, two will be three years and then... Season three starts. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, I hope this answered some of your questions. Um, if you do have any other questions or things that you would like to know about the Battle Buddies or season one or season two or uh, really any any anything that you'd like to know about Radbot Productions in general, um, feel free to reach out. Hit us up on Facebook, uh, Instagram. I think there's even a... You can even shoot us an email at radbotproductions at gmail.com at jamal at jamal.com jamal. Uh, at jamal.com reach out let us know what you think about the show let us know what you'd like to see in the show if there's anything in particular we don't really usually do furry stuff but we're open to it I don't think uh... <laughs> alright <laughs> the one suggestion <laughs> <laughs> Cody secretly wants someone to ask. I pleased God someone to ask us to do furry stuff. Cody's like, well, we gotta give them what they want. <laughs> yeah, well, by by audience demand, by popular demand. Do you guys want to do the 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 closeout for the episode here yeah. and now? I usually record that myself. Okay. Oh, thank you, Caitlin Conroy. Thank you, Cody uh, Drake, for thanks, being uh, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Cody, for editing and all for these all episodes. The editing that cody has done oh yeah my pleasure that way i can cut out your funny jokes so i sound funnier in comparison yeah clearly i've said a lot of funny things that cody has cut out yeah. i'm sure but that gives us plausible demiability we could yeah exactly we could just assume that you guys are really really mm -hmm. funny yeah and i've told great jokes that cody cuts out and they make zazzle say <laughs> right after <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I take your laugh tracks and I put them after everything I say. <laughs> so it sounds yeah, funny. I've only laughed one time in the show, but like Cody yeah, captured laugh, it. But I got that one track that I, I use constantly. It's the thing. You only have to laugh once. It's like the Wilhelm scream, basically. <laughs> uh, but thank you for listening. Uh, thank you thank for listening you. to season one of the Battle Buddies. Or if you didn't, to the... the Modem. I'm not sure why you made it this far if you haven't heard season one. Somebody just opened up this episode, went right to the end. Keep it real. Yeah.